this is Caroline, one half of the Celtic Traders. And Phil, the other half of the Celtic Traders. Welcome to podcast number four. Well, we've got lots to talk about. So let's get straight over to Phil with his sale of the week. Yes, as many of you know, we have the sale of the week when we do our sales video. And it's not often that I get sale of the week. But I do on occasions, and a couple of months ago, I was on a roll because I had two weeks in oh, a row. you were very impressive. Yes, uh, two weeks in a row I managed to get sale of the week. Uh, but it's been all downhill since then. Caroline has triumphed week after week, which is to be expected because, in fairness, Caroline does most of the purchasing. But this week, I got sale of the week. And the reason I wanted to share it wasn't just to say, aren't I good? even though it was a good sale. Oh, yes, you were very impressive. <laughs> but um, it's got a story to it because the sale of the week came on an item that I bought at auction just a couple of weeks ago. And it was an item that was bid on in the auction. And I was interested. I was tempted, but I didn't bid. The bidding went up to £18. And then the auctioneer stated that, sorry, I can't sell for that amount. And one of the things I find quite peculiar at auction is very often when they say they can't sell for an amount, the amount they actually want is not too far away. He no, said, no, it seems very close. Yeah, it's a pound or two pounds. And on this occasion, he said, we could probably do something at 20, but have a word at the office, speaking to the person who'd made the last bid. Well, we carried on bidding. We were probably at the auction another three, four hours. Yeah, it's quite a while. Yeah. That was during the morning. It was quite early on. It was, I think, about the, in the 70s, the lot was. And we stayed well up into the four, sort of four five hundreds. Mm. But when I went to pay for the lots, I all the way through the auction, I was thinking I should have bid on that. You know, I should have bid on that. A £20, I believe that's a good buy. So when I got to the counter, I just said to the lady as I was paying... Could you tell me if lot 1077 is sold? And she said, no, it's still available. And the auctioneer has said it can go at £20. I said, add it to my bill. So what I bought was a set of uh, 10 or 11 postcard photographs with signatures on of artists from the 1910s and 20s. And there was an autograph book there. Who's the famous chap? You're so famous. I keep Ivan forgetting. I keep forgetting. I bought it. I was so excited about it. I keep forgetting <laughs> whose signature was on the book. He's famous. That's all that matters. Yeah. They, they, they were selling it on the fact that Ivan Novello's signature was in this autograph book. But what attracted me to it was the fact that all the signatures were linked to the new theatre in Cardiff. Yes, which is quite close to our heart because Cardiff is about 45 minutes away from us. That's right. And of course... I just felt that gave it an extra angle for sale because if there was somebody linked to the theatre, I even thought that the theatre themselves may be interested mm. in having the autograph yep. book because it was an autograph book that was compiled by a young man who served as the call boy and the earliest signatures in the book from the new theatre were 1908 and the new theatre was built in 1906. So the every possibility that he was there from when the theatre was almost new, if not new. Yes, good well. And so I, all these things were going through my head all the way through the auction. I was thinking, oh, I should have bought it, should have bought it, should have bought it. But I had it. Uh, Caroline did some research and there were a few, uh, surprisingly, people we'd never heard of. Mm. But they, they'd, 
it sold for individual signatures it sold for sort of five pound ten pounds some up 15 pounds it wasn't i don't know what the prices were altogether but I yes think... i i looked on the postcards that had the signatures on them and they were up one of them was up at 30 pounds for somebody relatively obscure apparently they were famous for their cat impersonations so um, mm. i'll say no more so there we go. It's amazing what entertained people a hundred years ago. But I, there again, we've got no room to talk because although I don't watch many of the um, fly-on-the-wall type shows or anything these days because uh, we're far too busy for TV, uh, I understand that things haven't moved on very much and things that we find entertaining today would probably be quite alarming to people a hundred years ago as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's There's no accounting for taste, is there? But Caroline did the research and felt, well, there's some good signatures here, there's some good items. On the advice of somebody in the Celtic Traders who was on our live show, I think when I, it was in the haul video when I actually showed it, they said split the photos in the book. Yes, which was a good idea. So we did that and we listed them and put the book up for £149.99, was it, we put it up for? Yes, well, I'd done my research and thought... Right, I'm going to be as optimistic as possible with these prices. I saw one autograph book had sold for £110 and one, I think, it sold for about £90. So I thought, well, if they can get that price for those signatures in that book and they didn't seem to have anybody particularly famous, and then I'm going to try with our Ivan Novello for £149.99 or best offer. I know it was a bit optimistic, but then again, you all know me. <laughs> aim high yep and that's always a good place to start why start at the bottom i always love what um, les brown i think it was said he said uh, folks it's the it's not the top that's crowded it's the bottom there's always room at the top yes the crowds are all at the bottom yes so we just aim high and see what happens and on this occasion within an hour or so oh yes yeah, no time at all i had an inquiry and the inquiry was from somebody in Wales who was interested to please are the images of other signatures and more information. So uh, I thought, right, I'll respond to that. So I got some photographs and, of course, loaded them up. And while I was replying, he made an offer. So the offer came in and the offer was £95 which was a very good offer. I felt, well, we've got a serious buyer. It's certainly yeah. wasn't being silly or insulting in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, it had only been listed a couple of hours. So I decided uh, my approach on this occasion was not to respond to the offer at all, but to respond to that first inquiry. So I wrote back and said, I ha thank you for your inquiry and your subsequent offer. I will respond to the offer shortly. But first, I wanted to give you the information you asked for. Sent photographs from the book, put a little bit of information explaining how it was evident from some of the statements in there that the young man worked as a call boy there and so on and so forth. But I then said, I will respond later. Sent off the information. Well, got back in touch with me again and said, could you tell me how many signatures in total are in the book? So I went through, I counted the signatures. Now, this person had obviously worked there a while. Yes. Because they had a signature for one person in 1908. Then on the same page, the same signature dated 
1922. Yes. <laughs> so I, I said, I won't count those as two signatures. And I counted 108. So I said, there are a good 100 photographs because I've counted 108. And I, I sent back then a counter offer saying that due to the amount of time it had been on and the interest that I expect to get with it, I wouldn't drop significantly, but I would accept an offer of 135. Yes. Which, which I, I felt was fair enough because I was taking into account postage yes. and other things. And, you know, I, I would come out with a £100 profit, which I felt was really good. And the offer coming in so soon after I'd listed it. Yeah. You're always worried you could lose your buyer, but sometimes you can just read things right and think, well, I don't think I need to drop that much. This person really wants this item. And I genuinely believed in the item, and I think that has an effect. Yes, also in the way you describe it to the person then. If you've described yeah. it with a bit of ex excitement and enthusiasm, then that's going to pass on down to them, and they're going to think, this really is a good item. And I suppose this is one of the things that we have to deal with as resellers, because we're all different. We've all got different personalities, different characters, different ways. Some people wheel and deal, and they just um, just see the monies, etc. But there's times when you look at the price you paid, the price is offered and think, there's a good margin there, I'll take it. And that's yep. perfectly sensible and it's what we do most of the time. Yes. But then there's those occasions, such as you with your panyan pickle. Yes, I was holding out my £40 for my apron. <laughs> yeah, a plastic panyan pickle apron that Caroline picked up at a car boot and really... No, it was from the charity shop, £1.99 oh, that... I paid for that. Sorry, sorry, Big yeah, money. it was the car boot that you had mm. the other two, the Nescaf yes. and something, wasn't it? That's right. But um, as you can see, Caroline's into her plastic pennies when it comes to reselling. Oh, they're nice and easy to ship. No problems at all. Well, that's the beauty. If you've got something that's easy to ship and small to store, it was the same with these photographs. Ultimately, the shipping I was concerned about because I didn't want them to get lost mm. or damaged. And if I had posted them, they would have been fully insured for the value. I would have paid the extra to insure there. Okay. But it's nice when you've got things that you can you can afford to let them sit there. If if I've got an item and it's taken up a lot of space and I've bought it at £10 and I've put it up at 60 and somebody comes in and offers me 35 I'm going to start seriously thinking about, the, well, shall I take the £25 and have the space back? That's right. Is the space worth more than the amount you'd have, need to drop the price? And quite often that is the case when you're yeah. running on very tight yeah. space. Yeah, you've got to take it all into account. It's the, What's right for you is not always right for someone else. And I may make a sale and somebody else may say, well, I wouldn't have taken that. Or I may turn down an offer and somebody else said I would have bitten their hand off. It's not right and wrong. This isn't science. This is art. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the way to put it. This is art. This is something that we do on the day. And on that day, I just so believed in this item that I took the risk of losing this buyer, but sharing with him why I felt that way. And in fairness, he said, I'll consider it throughout the evening and I'll be back to you. Yes. And it must have been an hour or so later. <laughs> yes, he obviously decided, I don't want anybody else buying this. It probably is worth the full amount. Well, that's it. Ultimately, I suppose you have to ask yourself the question, if you are a collector of memorabilia that is associated with a particular theatre and then something like this comes up, when is it going to happen again? That's right. You were never going to get that core boys autograph book again unless somebody bought it and then resold it again but then that's very unlikely what? and yes it would whatever they buy it off me for if they resell it they're mm. going to want more so if somebody right. paid me over a hundred pound for it 
and they were in the trade. They're going to want, if that was in a shop uh, where somebody was selling memory, if that was in a Cardiff antique shop, oh, it would be worth then they would be putting it out for mm. two, three hundred pounds possibly. So all of this played their part and I got the sale. But what I really wanted to share through all of this is there are those times when you've just got to go with your heart because otherwise you just live with regret because ultimately that thing was virtually sold. That buyer could have gone and got it for £2 more. Yep. And all I can say is if if I was the person who'd bid 18 I think I'd have gone the £2. Yes, seemed a bit odd. but They didn't. I was very fortunate. But the moral of the tale is I shouldn't have took the risk. I should have put my hand in the air and made that £20 bid and took it there and then. Yes. Because mm. it doesn't always work out that way. Because as we had in the Carbuzzo with one of your favourites, La Cruze, wasn't it? Oh, yes. We were in Swansea on Sunday. There's a car park, a multi-storey car park. Now, they have the car boot sale all year round because living in Wales, it gets very wet in the winter. It's quite wet in the summer, but it's very <laughs> wet in the winter. So... Everybody who normally goes to an outdoor car boot sale all floods to the indoor car boot sale. So it was really busy and it was really cold. So definitely from now on, I'm wearing my ski suit if I go to that car boot sale. So if anybody sees somebody weird in a car boot sale with a ski suit on, then you're probably looking at me because not many people wear ski suits. To be honest, as the weather gets colder, Caroline will be in a ski suit most places. Yes. We we have alpine outfits just for the... <laughs> no, I really don't like the cold. No. But so we were in Swansea. We arrived quite early. Other times we've arrived later and people were just setting up. So we wandered round. I bought a few things and then I looked and on the ground was a Le Creuset saucepan, like a casserole. So, well, you know me and Le Creuset, I was straight over there, had a look, and I said to the lady, um, how much is this? She said, I have no idea. The man next door came, put three things on the ground and has disappeared. <laughs> so I think he must have been a dealer and he was yeah. wandering around picking up things and it was his way of getting into the car boot sale very early. But I was undeterred. I thought, right, I'll keep an eye on the store. We'll just look around this area and I'll come back if I see the man coming back. But he didn't come back. So we wandered off, did a few other floors and then came back to that floor. And Phil looked and said, it's still there. I'll go and check how much it is now. So we walked up and he was talking to the, the store holder, was talking to another man. And we could see then that they just made the deal on the La Cruze. Mm. Oh, if only we'd been a few minutes earlier. But then again, we did buy some other things when we were on the other floors. Now, if we'd stayed waiting for this man to come back, we'd have missed those bargains. So financially, I don't really think I missed out. And plus, when I looked at the casserole closely, while these people were speaking, I thought, well, I'll have a quick peep because it was still on the floor. There were holes inside or on the enamel, which had rusted mm. quite badly. Yeah. So it wasn't as good a bargain as I thought it was. And how much did you see? Well, I was the really hand over. I'm really cheeky because I just hang around just to see the exchange of money because I thought maybe we'll feel better if he, if, yes. he, if it's paper money. And it was definitely paper money because he handed him paper money and got paper money in exchange. So 
it was either five or ten, and I got a feeling he may have paid ten for it, which is not a price that we would want. Oh, no, especially damaged. I may yeah. have gone to that price if it had been in immaculate condition, like new. But if there was rust inside, then I wouldn't bother because there is a lot of Le Creuset on the market. And if you buy damaged items, then yeah. people are going to think, no, I'm not paying. I want something that isn't damaged. So, yeah, definitely. Buy, buy the best and hold your price. Yes, that's that's the key. The problem is very often when the store, when the news comes out about an item such as the Le Creuset that Caroline has shared. And we do share uh, the information that we've got and we want to help people and encourage people in buying. But it's buy well, get the best, hold the price because there's always that danger that as people come into the market now, they'll try to compete on price with each other for the quicker sale and we'll destroy our own market. That's right, it becomes a race to the bottom and then he's completely yeah, devalued the item. Le Creuset is the purchase of people who generally have the income to buy it. So we don't need to compete down. We can, we can hold the price and make a good profit on it which is what the name of the game is we need to make our money cover our costs and make this business pay but of course we are spoilt with Le Creuset and as much as whenever we see it we in our heads we're thinking of the prices we pay in France yes which um, of course in um, Le Creuset, much lower they don't appreciate ev- it really. well everyone's got it it was very much they 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 have it everywhere yes it is a very common, very common thing in their country but still well priced it's not cheap to buy it's not oh, cheap no. to buy new. These items are, and that's oh, what you remember. Some if you've got something in good condition, then mm. it's not the sort of thing that, if it's been looked after, that really does devalue or depreciate no, a great it deal. Really holds its value. And I don't know if anybody's seen, but Le Creuset has started to do pink cookware. Now, Ooh. if you see the pink cookware, I, Ooh. I don't know. I haven't found it because it's relatively new. But if I do find pink, then I'm going to try buying that and see how much I can get for it. And I would be tempted to keep it for myself. I quite fancy pink Le Creuset cookware. Oh, there we go. Now I know. I know what to get you for Christmas now. No, because it's a lovely idea, but I really don't know if I'd use it because it's so heavy. That's it's the thing, a yeah. lovely looking item. It spreads the heat evenly. You can see what the attraction is. But, oh, it's so much easier to just get the stainless steel out, whop it on the top of the cooker and whip something up. Okay, then. So it's not Le Creuset. I'll go back to the first idea. I'll, I'll just have to get you the... Uh... Range Rover instead. Yes, please. <laughs> a nice white one. All oh, right, dear. Don't Put be fussy. Put my order in. Don't be fussy. I don't want any of this black or grey. I want a white one. But of course, it's not just at car boot sales that sometimes we miss the bargains or at auctions. Because I had an experience this week. I took a parcel down to the local post office in the village next door to us. And I parked outside. And we have a charity shop there right next door to the post office and the charity shop operates for a friend of ours who works in Romania with families that have children with AIDS and we take all of our excess stock our stuff that we decide not to sell or doesn't sell sometimes we pick something up bring it home we pay 50p for it and we think it's only going to sell for three pounds it's really not worth listing because no. our costs and everything and the time it takes we let it go and we put everything back into our friend's shop. So I had a box full in the boot to go there and I had a parcel to go to the post office. So when I pulled up, I thought I'll nip in the post office first. If there's no queue, I'll get my parcel sorted. If there's a queue, I'll pop back next door. Well, there wasn't a queue, so I was just three or four minutes in the, in, in the post office, got my little package on its way because, as most of you know, when we do 99% of our business 
when it comes to couriers with my Hermes. But when it comes to the large letter, anything that will go in the boxes, we have boxes that we buy of various sizes, but all the correct depth and dimension to go on large letter. And if something will go in there, then that's the time we use Royal Mail. Yes. Because that does save on the postage costs. It does. It's pricing that all that sort of adds up. Yeah. Even though you have to pay for the boxes, you still make a profit oh, on definitely. sending it with Hermes. So down I went, parcel by parcel. Then we're next door, carried the box in. The the ladies, as usual, said, oh, could you take it through to the back, my love? So yes, I put it through in the back room for them. As I came back towards the front door, I saw a box on the right-hand side. No word of exaggeration, that box must have been two foot deep and at least two foot square. And it was full to overflowing. It was full virtually to the top with what appeared to be all Spider-Man and Marvel related toys. And then there were four or five large Nerf guns balanced on the top oh, of it. Oh, yes. And I... A reseller's dream. I just looked and we've done well on both of those things and particularly on the Nerf guns. So I just t turned to the lady and I said, oh, I see you've got some Nerf guns. And she said, yes, dear. She said, they, they came in. She said, but lady just gone out now. She said, and she offered us £20 for the box. So we thought, well, that'll save us putting it all on the shelves. Yes. And it's money in the kitty for, for Paul. So we've, we, we've just sold it for £20. I thought... Oh, I wish I'd At come. At that point, you want to cry. Yes. Why wasn't there a queue in the post office? Yeah. <laughs> if there'd been a queue in the post office, I would have been here before the lady. I'd have given them £30. And uh, I would have been more than happy because there was a lot of stuff there. There was probably hundreds of pounds, not for them, at charity shop prices, and they're a wonderful charity shop. They work very much at what we call the old charity shop prices and principles. They wouldn't... Yes, they could have probably doubled or trebled their money if they'd take if they done all the work. But they had a good sale. They were happy. But um, certainly there was money there in our market. Oh, definitely. But it had gone. But I suppose, again, this is all about simply saying that you will feel it. Every time I've missed a purchase, I've felt it. It's sort of mm. right in your gut. You think, oh, no, you feel really Especially bad. when it's your own fault. It's a decision you made that yeah. you lost it. It's different oh. if something has already sold ages ago and is waiting for a collection, fair enough. But when you think, oh, if only I hadn't made that decision or gone yeah. there first, that is really gutting. Well, that's right. Uh, both On both occasions of me, if only I'd made the bid at the auction i'd have had it for sure i had to sit there and sweat for a yes. few hours and if only i'd gone there and it was a case of shall i shan't I? and i was parked right inside the door but ultimately take it on the chin it's all a learning curve i didn't get it i know for a fact well i don't know for a fact that's wrong i am fairly convinced that the lady who made the offer of 20 pound is a reseller because that was a reseller's buy. Yes. You don't go in and buy five Nerf guns and a stack of Marvel stuff without even looking through it no. to take home for the kids. So I, so somebody else got it. So I'm pleased for them because there are other days when people come in and they see me with something under my arm and they're thinking, ah, if only I'd come in two minutes earlier. Yes. I'd have that. <laughs> so we're all in this game. We're not fighting each other, we're, but we're all playing in the same field. We're all fishing in the same pond. And ultimately, whatever you miss, keep fishing because 
as they always said, there are plenty more fish in the sea. So as I say, it's been uh, pretty busy at the moment and we've had lots on. But Caroline's been uh, doing a few interviews this week uh, with folks that come from the other side of the pond, as you I often know. say. Yeah, yes, you end up with had, two this week. Uh, two American interviews. Yes, that was really interesting. Tech, uh, what's his name? Tech support him. Let's have to shorten that to TST so we know who we're speaking about. It's very difficult to say sometimes. He has a friend who he grew up with here in the valleys and his friend got married, went to America with his new wife and they're over visiting. So I thought, right, we just got chatting about eBay. He always watches our eBay programs because it gives him his dose of Welsh accent. So I asked him if he'd be prepared to do an interview. He was quite pleased to do that. So we did just an impromptu interview that evening. Uh, it was great fun to do and lovely to see a buyer's perspective on eBay sales. And I was really surprised that eBay isn't as popular as Amazon over in the States. It doesn't seem to be anywhere near as popular as it is over here. So that was really interesting. And then we had Brian Byro. He had done a live stream with us, but we had some issues at the beginning. So really finding out about his business and things like that didn't get covered properly. So we decided, well, why not? Let's have a special where we just ask Brian about his business, which we did. And we found out some really interesting information. So that is at this very moment processing. So it should be ready and out just before this podcast, I'm hoping. So there'll be two videos out from us today. So it's been quite an interviewish week. So I really enjoy these interviews. So hopefully over the next few weeks and months, I'll be able to find more people to interview. It is great fun to do and very enlightening when you realise how other people think and how other people do things and what their opinions are on the things that you do yourself. That's the thing, because although a lot of the information we get is anecdotal in as much as, as Nathan said, he can only speak from his own perspective and his own viewpoint. But that's what—that's where the information is. It's what where what opinion polls do. You just find somebody, and as long as you know their situation, their setting, and their personality, then their opinion is fitted into that frame, and it gives you an insight. Yes, and sometimes they'll just—you may watch a whole interview like that and think, yes, well, that's what I expected. But they'll just say one thing, you think. No, that's interesting. I didn't realise that, which is why I like to watch as many videos as I can, because even though quite often it's things that are not surprising to me, you always find those one or two little nuggets in the show that really grow your business, grow your attitude to things and can make you quite a lot of profit. So well worth watching resellers videos. Yeah. And the other thing with this story, of course, of doing the interviews, the interview with Brian was planned in as much as, as you say, we did a USA v Wales chat a fortnight ago, but we had so many technical issues in the early part. We'd missed out on a lot of that information that a lot of people were interested in with how Brian's situation works out out there with the reselling and the scale on which he works, which is much higher than our scales. But with the interview with Nathan, what I liked about it was you just turned around and just seized the moment. He was sat there with Tim. They were off to Cardiff for the day, chatting away. The conversation, as always in our house, ends up on eBay or reselling or something. Or politics. Or politics. But, <laughs> At uh, which point I decide to go and make a cup of coffee. Yes, but if you're in the conversation, it's never politics, dear. No. <laughs> and um, on this occasion, it was you, Timbo, and Nathan were chatting. And then... T- 
Tim mentioned, well, we'll probably pop back anyway on the way back. So Caroline turned around and said, well, if you're coming back, could I be cheeky? Would you mind doing an interview? If I get the lighting and things set up in the living room, would you do an interview when you come back? So off the boys went to Cardiff, came back, sat down, did the interview. Then his Nathan's wife came over and picked him up and off they went. And it was done. That was that was a window of opportunity. You you didn't make the mistake I made at the auction. No. You saw that moment of opportunity and you seized it. And I think that is, you know, if there's one lesson we can all learn, it's to seize the day. Yes, Take whatever is in. In all yeah. walks of life, if you see something, just go for it. Give it a go. If it goes wrong, well, pick up the pieces and then move on. But I think we miss so many opportunities because we live life a little nervously understandably yeah. there have been a lot of problems we've had things go wrong but i wonder how many good things we miss out on by being cautious and as i'm getting older i'm getting less cautious i think well why not what well, could possibly go wrong well, I, we were listening to a, a piece by is it tim minchin or the, tim minchin yeah yeah the the comedian that plays the piano he's an awesome pianist but he's also a very funny man and he was dressed in his cap and gown doing a speech to a university on their graduation day and it's worth watching because to see the the, the chancellor of the university that he was at he was cringing with the stuff he was coming I out know, of some here. of the things were a little crude yes a little on the edge That's but, so funny but the one thing he said was to all these young people he said, you know, just do it. Go for it, folks. Let me tell you something. You're going to die. <laughs> I think that becomes more of a reality as we get older. Yes. What What are we waiting for? You know, this is not a dress rehearsal. What, what are we waiting for? You've got to take some chances in life. Yes, you balance that against the risk. But ultimately, if it's within your scope to have a go, then have a go. I don't know who said it. I know so many sayings in my head, but I never remember who to uh, apportion them to. But somebody said one time that at the end of life, it, rarely do you regret the things you did, but often you spend those moments regretting the things you didn't do. Mm. And yes. we just want to shorten that list. Yes. Shorten the list. We've all got regrets, but... So although this is just... just a want less regrets. This is something small. This is just business. Mm. Life is bigger than business, but it does teach us lessons. Yes. Grab right. the moment. Yep. You did it. You got the interview, which was good, and people have enjoyed it. So that's brilliant. And what I'll do is I'll put a link to that video on the Facebook page, on the Celtic Traders Facebook page. So... If you're easily offended, don't watch it. But if you're not, it's really funny. Well, <laughs> people will be thinking, what did Nathan from America say if he's going to offend us? <laughs> because we're talking about Nathan's video. I'm talking about Tim Minchkin. Yes, we talk about yeah. Tim Minchkin's video. Don't worry, yeah, we'll have to Nathan have, from America was fine. We'll have to double check whether or not it's suitable to put up on the Calderas page because uh, he was a little bit sort of um, edgy on times when he, but he generally is. But in fairness to him, he's got he's a massive talent and uh, tremendous ability. Yes, a lot of these comedians, you think, oh, they're they're just comedians and when you get to find out the story behind a lot of them are really really intelligent oh yeah well Laura very the, clever the, La the comedy a lot of the big comedians in the uk came out of oxbridge they were either in they were either playing their parts at um, oxford or cambridge yes and they've all got doctorates and different things you know or it, there is an art to comedy the beauty with comedy is if you've got it if you've got that timing and if you've got that skill and that story to tell People from the working clubs of the northeast 
along with people from the posh universities of the south are all out there and playing the parts. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's quite a diverse group of people. Oh, I'd love to have comic timing. I love jokes. I have joke books and I constantly read in jokes. But I just haven't got that comic timing. So all my friends are used to me now when I come out with a new joke, but it really doesn't have the full effect, especially if I get halfway through it and I forget what the punchline was. But I would like to have been a comedian. <laughs> yeah, Caroline's got this, uh, like, thousand jokes, and every now and again she'll walk into the room and come out with, I think you've been reading your joke book again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you've been reading your joke book again. And we keep getting all these one-liners. But, uh, no, I do enjoy. I do enjoy something that can make you smile. Yes. But on this occasion, it wasn't so much just the humour, it was just the honesty of the guy as he spoke to those kids. Well, I like the way we all look for our long-term goals and it's the way we're encouraged to be yeah, now. Looking dream. into the future, working things out, reverse engineer so you can get where you're going. And he said, have short-term goals. And I thought, it just made me think. It's not something that you ever hear on YouTube videos, but he said... Make sure you have those little short-term goals. And as you yeah. achieve one goal, you'll see another goal and you can move on to that. And I thought that was that really inspired me. I thinking, yes, I'm going to make a lot more short-term goals too. Because you know me, I love having fun. And so I'm going to come up with some exciting things to do, I think. Yeah, well, his viewpoint on it was, uh, to, it's wonderful to have a dream. He said, if you've got a dream, then go for it. He said, you've got to use your life on something, so you might as well use your life on that. He said, and I hope you achieve it. He said, the probability is by the time you achieve it, you'll be a lot nearer to your death than you were when you yes. started. <laughs> but at least you filled your days. But he said, the important thing is to fill your days. The important thing with life is to live it. The important thing with every day is to get something out of it. And he said, I would say, don't if you don't have that dream, don't worry you don't need a dream. You need to fill every day with short-term goals that you achieve. And his point was that if you're focused on a, a goal today, then very often something will just glitter on your periphery vision and you'll see that and you'll end up going after that. Then something over here and you'll go after that. And you find yourself in a place you never expected to be that is marvellous and beyond your imagination, but you got there simply by dedicating yourself to achieving this, to achieving that. And he also said, don't seek happiness. And I thought, where is he going here? And he said, too many people are depressed because they're not happy. He said, if you can make someone else happy, you'll be amazed the difference it makes. And if we all work at making someone happy, then we'll all be happy. So he came up with some really interesting ideas. It was very funny, but very deep. Yes. And as I say, the poor old Chancellor was squirming on his seat with the way he came out with things. But if we uh, move on now anyway, because I think we went, I think we just saw something glinting and went off. Yes, and, you know, I think we were right off topic there. Yeah, Caroline often says to me that I'm terrible. I end up chasing butterflies. But if we draw <laughs> ourselves back to customer issues for this week, right. customer issues. And of course, um, every customer is different. But one of the things that has come up this week is we've had three, I think it was. Yes, we've. We've been getting a lot more offers lately, even on things that aren't up for best offer. And this week was particularly frustrating because we had three offers and I accepted the offers and then they didn't pay. Hmm. Now, the one person was really nice. They said, oh, just before I pay, something I forgot to check. And they asked and I said, yes, that is the case. And they said, oh, we're really sorry. We can't use it because of that. And I can understand why. Yeah, it yeah. was an item that was for cooking and it was an old item that had been 
upcycled a little and painted yes. but they painted the inside now these people wanted to use this tea urn as a tea urn so because it was painted inside they couldn't use it so that was a bit disappointing because it was a 120 pound offer i accepted on that item so yeah. bit frustrating but never mind that has gone back up for sale no problems at all the customer requested that we cancel the order we cancelled the order you just regroup move on but the other two are really frustrating because they sent an offer. I considered that offer, decided whether or not I take it, accepted the offer, and then heard they nothing. Pay. They didn't pay. And that I find really frustrating. If they don't want to pay, let me know. But don't just not pay. Yeah. We can't just cancel that order because otherwise that goes against us on our account because they haven't asked for a cancellation themselves. <clears throat> If the customer requests a cancellation, there's no problem. We'll just pop it back up for sale. But they didn't. So we've had to open two unpaid item cases this yeah. week, which is frustrating because our items still can't be listed until those cases are closed. So we're missing out on some buying time. Not the end of the world, but no, it no, can no. be a little frustrating sometimes and very disappointing when you lose a £120 offer. Yeah, and I was just wondering, is is, is this something that's... Because it does seem to have increased us. It could be that our sales are increasing, therefore... And the offers our, are increasing. We are yeah. getting more offers now. Yeah, so as you get... So it's, it's, I suppose, the same with anything. The more you do something, the more problems you find, as well as the more solutions. It's all proportional. But yeah. Does anybody else find that... In the last few months, they're getting more offers that aren't being paid for. Is because it something that's getting more common? It's probably happened to us, you know, occasionally. Really, get, I'd say, if but, anything. But to get to get three in a space of seven or ten days. Yeah, oh, that was really annoying. And um, generally, when you're taking offers, they're on larger items. Mm. So there is the excitement of thinking, well, we've made that sale. And obviously, on larger items, <laughs> and with the case of the the Victorian uh, tea urn, I'd had to bring it up from the, 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 the lower shed and got it up to the house ready to go. But I'm glad we didn't wrap it because now no. we can go back down the shed. <laughs> That's right. Because we have a shed that we store some of the heavy metal items Things in. that can't get damaged. That's right. And that's pretty bomb-proof. That, that uh... is very bomb-proof. That's why it survived for over 100 years. Yes, this is really heavy. I can't remember how heavy it was when I weighed it now, but I know it took the top my Hermes postal Yeah, weight. it's between 10 and 15 kilograms. Yes, it's absolutely <laughs> massive and very, very heavy. So, as I say, it's it's a matter of putting it in perspective. The, you know, when you think of the thousands of sales you make over the over the years and the number of returns and different things that you put up with, then that's par for the course. As I always say, what, the difficulties we have in our situation as internet resellers, I believe, is far, far better than our counterparts who sell across counters in shops. We don't have the overheads they have. We don't have the face-to-face -face issues with difficult customers. If we do get a customer such as this who just decides to walk away and leaves you with a bit of work to do, it is only a matter of a couple of messages on eBay and leaving them. And eBay are brilliant in as much as then they sort it for you. So it's frustrating, but it's par for the course. But just wanted to mention it in case others are having it as well, whether it's a trend that's picking up or as I say, whether we just, it happens like that sometimes, doesn't it? You yeah, go you for a, to go through. You just go through a patch and you think, Stops oh. Stops and spurts. Yeah, just coincidentally, that's how it all comes together. But such is life. We have to take what comes. But at the same time, we don't have to just 
lie down and let it happen. We can make those decisions as well that benefit us and help us because we have had another issue uh, this week, which well over the last two weeks, which isn't so much a customer issue. It's more an issue for ourselves. And that was for the first time I'd have to send in 3,000, well, actually just over 4,000 parcels when I took the active and took the delivered. Over 4,000 parcels with my Yep. And two or three weeks ago, we got our first ever overweight yes. charge. We always weigh everything before it goes out we to the house. Weigh everything on a baby scales, which is pretty accurate, and send it out. And they sent us an overweight charge. And I thought, I must have made a mistake. I must have got it wrong on that occasion. So I paid the money. It's £4.20 because they charged us £1.20 for the excess fee. And then three pound admin. I know that's for sending me an email to say that make it was a dent overweight. In so I thought, oh, that wasn't good. But I thought, fair enough. I've made a mistake. I've, I don't know how, but I have. Well, then I looked and I thought, why is that bill come up again? I've paid it, but when I looked closely, it was a different parcel number. So now it was getting weird, because I'm starting to think, okay, so we've ended up with three non-payments in just over a week and now I've ended up with two overweight parcels just over a week what's going wrong here what's happening so I am currently in talks with eBay over this and all I found out so far is that they claim that both those parcels were sent in the two kilogram allowance which they were and that they were overweight by 50 grams both of them were overweight by 50 Mm. grams well, their initial reply actually said you paid for the one kilogram allowance and they were 1.05. So I wrote back and said, well, actually, you don't have a one kilogram allowance. It's two. So if I was 1.05, that's great because that means I'm owed a refund. But I'm assuming this is a typing error on your part and that you mean that it was 2.05 and a two kilogram allowance. But if that's the case, I just find it unbelievably coincidental that having sent 3,000 parcels, uh, 4,000 parcels, sorry, in the, over the last couple of years, to have two parcels overweight within the space of 10 days, and they're both exactly the same amount yeah, it's overweight. it's a bit of a coincidence. You start to get suspicious then. So I thought, this is weird. So I've asked them. I've said, look, I paid the first one, assuming it was my error. Um, would you be so good as to have the decency to assume that it's six to one half dozen to the other and let me off with the other one. So I'm waiting for an answer on that and I will let yes. you know. Hopefully I'll know by next week. It'll be interesting week. to see how much compassion they have. Yes, it will be. But <coughs> of, Excuse me. But of course, the lessons that we learn are important and very often we learn the lessons when things go wrong. Yes. In life, it's one of those realities that it's when things are difficult. I always say that I learned more about money management in the year that I was on strike as a Welsh miner than I have at any other time in my life. Because while I was in work and the wages were coming in and the overtime was available and we were on good salaries working underground, then I could just earn more money. So my answer to everything was earn more money. That's right. The money pours out of the bottom of the purse. You just pour yeah, more into the top. Just keep pouring in. There was a hole in the bucket, but as long as you had a tap at the top, you could just keep the bucket filling up. And that's how I lived. Then I spent one year on strike. Caroline, myself, we were very young at the time, and we had t- 
two of our four children and they were under the age of two and we were on £10.86 I think it was back in 1984 a week to provide for four of us as a family that's when I learned so it is often in the hard times the dark times the difficult times the times that present you with a challenge that you see the need for change in your attitude and in your ways and that's what's happened here because I felt well what can I do that's going to help on this matter and what we've agreed is right just to be sure we're going to get a new scales yes I think that's really important now because ours is quite old. We bought it from a charity shop for one night. No, I think four ninety nine. I paid for that, uh-huh. and it's a proper baby scales. It's quite large, but it hasn't been checked or calibrated for I don't know how many years. So there could be an issue with our scales. So I'm going to buy a nice shiny new one. Yeah, and um, we'll sell ours on eBay, and yes. I think we'll get more than because it's not an inaccurate scales. It's not a bad scales. It's just I'm wanting to be. Sure. What can I do? I always think in any situation in life, you've got to ask yourself the question, even if it appears that you are 100% in the right. And that is your honest perspective on it. I didn't do this. This was done to me. Then you've got to ask yourself the question, yes, but what can I do now? What can I do to ensure it doesn't happen to me again? What did I do that maybe gave that situation the opportunity to develop that I could have done differently before? Because the moment you take an element of responsibility for a situation, you're in the position of power whereby you can bring change. If you feel that everything that's going wrong is someone else's fault, it's just fate, it just happened, then that's fine. Except how do you change it? If it's somebody else's fault, you can't change them. I remember somebody saying one time, things happen to us and they are often out of our control. What we can control is how we respond to those things. So whether it's in reselling, whether it's in life, our response is the important thing. That's where we get the idea of responsibility, our ability to respond. That's the gift we have. We make choices. So we've made that choice. In fact, we've got another issue that's come up with regards to our parcels going out on couriers because we've got a new guy picking up from our local Miami's shop. Oh, yes, and he's very keen. I think he's we will nickname him Speedy. He's so keen. I actually said to the guy in the shop, I said, could you tell him just to you know, chew his breakfast a bit slowly? Because we used to have pick up at our place around about noon. Which suited us nicely. Around we about had noon, yeah. plenty of time. We could take our time, get our parking done, get a few things sorted. And we always made it to the parcel shop before the delivery van arrived. Now we don't, because I've been caught out on two or three occasions. And on the one day, I actually had three parcels which I had wanted to get going. And one of them, the person needed it by Friday. It was Tuesday. Three days is what it takes. And I wanted it to go. So I actually took the parcels back into the car and I drove on a few miles and went to another drop-off shop. We are fortunate that we've got three within... Mm four miles of where we live yeah it's really convenient so that helps but ultimately i don't want to be adding that fuel of going the extra two or three miles if i'm going to visit my mum and uncle albert that's fine because i passed the other two on the way to their house yes we could take a pick but again why use the fuel to go the extra couple of miles and back and the time if i can get to my local depot but he's picking up some days now at 10 30 so we had to decide what we do well we had a little moan 
because we do, you know, say, oh, gosh, this has really messed things up. It's all gone out the window. Changes your routine. And sometimes a change of routine, no matter how small, is really difficult to cope with. But that's the beauty. That's what we did. We did change our routine. We could have just carried on as we were. And we could have said, well, we'll go to the other shop. Or, well, we, we could put them in. Because ultimately, the ticket says that we've dropped them off. So we've dispatched. That's right. We're covered. So we could say, well, we've dispatched. But for me, that's not the point. I love it when the feedback says super fast delivery, um, unbelievable delivery times. Because then if I ever have an issue with a customer who says, might have been delivered and the rest, I say, look, honestly, we dispatched it on time. This is an issue with the courier. Uh, we have a tremendous record. Please check our feedback. And there it is. So I go for that extra day. I don't want to add a day to the delivery, even though technically we're within our rights. So what have we done? We get the parcels there by 10.30 now. We've readjusted our morning. We've changed our pattern. So I suppose what the the uh, moral of all of this is, it's adapt or die. If we're not ready to change with the circumstances as they change around us, we become the dinosaurs. We're into something which is new. It's cutting edge. The technology that we're using today didn't exist 10 years ago in the format that it is now, none of us would be able to resell in the way that we do. It's there for us, but it's ever-changing, and different things will come our way. Issues will come up, but take the initiative, take the responsibility, make the changes, but still stand your ground. I'm making changes with regards... I'm going to get a new scales, but <laughs> if I possibly can, I'm not going to pay that second £4.20 if it's, if it's at all possible not to, because I think that's a fair split. I'll pay for one, but not for the other, because whose scales is wrong? Theirs or mine. Yes, and I have noticed on a few forums now there are people who are getting these overweight or oversized notifications and bills to pay the money, but some people are saying not to pay them. Now, I don't know whether they're right or not but some people now are over a hundred pound on bills for errors made with sending out with my Hermes so I'd rather pay them as they come in anyway but if anybody else is having these problems and has contacted my Hermes and been told no you don't need to pay please let us know in the comments or pop over to the Facebook page and start a discussion on it because I'd really like to know if Hermes are admitting that they're making a lot of mistakes and really these bills aren't serious then I'm certainly not going to pay them but I'm terrible I get so guilty I can't even come when we come back from France you have two ways to drive through at the ferry port something to declare and nothing to declare and I always feel so guilty driving through nothing to declare even though I have nothing to declare <laughs> so I always like to pay off the bills because it just eases my guilt complex but if anybody has any information on this that they've had and they assure you don't need to pay those bills then please let us know because that would be really interesting yeah because at the end of the day if the parcel was overweight, the parcel was overweight. That's right, fake off. Absolutely. And I do run near the wire because I mm. won't pay for over two kilograms if it's 1.9 something. No, I even cut the flaps on the boxes yeah. really short to get I've, a couple of grams under if necessary. I've said to Caroline, you know, I said this one is, you know, 40 grams over, 50 grams over. And as Caroline says, she'll alter the pack in. Out with the Stanley knife. Yeah just to reduce the size of the flaps on the box and get it back under. So we do fly that close to the edge, which is why we need an accurate scales, which is why yes. the scales will pay for itself. Yes. Because oh. it's not 
it's not so much on dimensions because sometimes you can do nothing about the dimensions mm. but if you go from a under two kilogram parcel which is designated as small to medium then the increase is one pound twenty but if you go from a two kilogram to a two to five kilogram then it's a much bigger jump in money you have yes. to, uh, so it makes it worthwhile. So having an accurate scales and being able to stay that south of the two kilogram line will pay for itself in, in the 12 month. Yes. Even so, though sometimes I wonder on a time and motion study, we'll get something and it's just going over the two kilograms. Yeah. I'll t- perhaps dismantle the box and try to find lighter packaging. I'll do all things. It can take me 10 minutes because I'm determined to get it underneath that two kilogram limit. And I sometimes wonder, am I wasting my time? Should I just bite the bullet and pay for the extra postage? But I just can't. I really have to fight to get that box underweight. We have once or twice because once or twice it's been about time. We needed to get the parcels to the oh, thing. Yes. I'll do a wait. We and, have to leave. Yeah, and I'll just turn around and say, it's just not worth it for a pound. And uh, But uh, in the early days, it was always worth it for a pound because yes. when we started out, we just didn't have the the collateral in the business to be able to pay that pound. And perhaps sort of that thing. pound was all our profit. <laughs> yeah, so, we were uh, so bad at least when we first started. We started out, sellers. everything mattered. So as you say, it is, it is about growing. It is about learning. It is about adapting. It's about changing. It's about seeing the, uh, the process as it is, not as it was. Uh, we we now purchase some boxes which are brand new, which we yes, never did. Yes, talking about boxes, I finally got my free packaging voucher from eBay. I've ordered some boxes. I've been really looking forward to these coloured boxes. So apparently I'm not the only one. So I've ordered them yesterday. I'm waiting for them to come. The only disappointing thing is I didn't think the sizes were quite as comprehensive as I would have liked. A lot of them were over the small parcel size. They were 18 centimetres. Well, they have to be under 16. So that seemed a little silly, really, when you think these boxes have been specifically made for use in the postal service or with couriers. It's a shame they didn't have more boxes up with the size I wanted. And also... I wanted the green boxes, and because of the size I've ordered, I had to have the pink. So I'm obsessed about that. I wanted to have a choice of colours. So eBay, if you're listening, please give us a better choice of colours. I don't want all pink boxes, and they are the only ones that were suitable. I like pink, so I'm all right. I like pink. Well, there you go. I like bright colours, though, and it's a fairly pale pink. Oh, well. Now, if it was like a... Shocking pink. Shocking like pink. Like some oh, of my yes. ties. Yes. Oh, if it's like your tie, <laughs> I'd be fine. But it is quite a pale pink. I suppose even a sugar pink. And I can't remember. I think they've used the purple writing on the box. And it just sludges it out a little bit. So I'd have liked something more vibrant. But then again, I am picky. But then again, if I'm paying for something, then I have the right to be picky. But then again, again, I'm having my free £10 voucher. So I shouldn't be so picky. Well, it is the only reason we buy eBay boxes. Yes, it's because too expensive with, with a £10 voucher, we just sell them. An £18 order goes down to 8 and it's yes. and it's well within the bracket because, of course, you can get perfectly good plain brown boxes at a lower price. But with that, you can you can have that little bit extra, that little bit special if we're yes. sending off. So we can do that. Even though, commenting on the boxes, when I wrap them up with my brown parcel tape, it completely spoils the look. So really, if I wanted to be picky about my packaging, I'd buy clear tape, the wide clear tape, and use that. But I'm not, so I'll just carry on using the brown because I'd rather save the money. Uh, so it's all, it, at the end of the day, it's all about 
If you can stop the money going out, then that's good. If you can get more money coming in, that's good. And it's the combination of the two. But ultimately, we do have to spend. It's on our budget. We usually take the overall figure just to give ourselves an idea. Everything we sell in a week, half of it is probably ours. Yes, yeah, about 50% yeah, profit. It's usually a little bit better profit. than that, but you've got to allow for so many fees that are going out, so many things that you have to pay, the postage and other stuff. Packaging, the fuel to drop things off, it the fuel to go out buying things in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So it all adds up. It all adds up. But ultimately, without all of those things, then there would be no profit at all. No. So we have to pay in order to do. And coming back to what Caroline was discussing, there are people out there who are saying you don't need to pay this, some of these bills that you get from couriers and that. What I would say is simply this. I always pay the bills that we get. If I have any doubts about whether or not it's valid, as I do with this issue with the courier, contact the company. Don't just not pay something. If you just don't pay something, they could remove their service from you. They have the power. Ultimately, they have the power to be able to just close your account. And if they close my account with something like my Hermes, I would feel it because that suits me fine. As I say, we've got three local pickup shops. They do the deliveries in a timescale that suits me at a price that is extremely competitive. So I, I, I respect the service they provide, but I have queried the decision that they've made. So whatever it is, when you're in business, always talk to people. With live chat and everything else and email, you don't even have to be spending lots of time on the phone because I hate that. Hanging on phones, being put on to hold, then being put to push this number, push that number. I'm not very really good with that at all. You're no. even worse than me and Ulla. Patience is not my virtue. No, Caroline's not a phone person at all. But uh, So I hate all that, but in this day and age, you can just wop up an email, two minutes, when it suits you, send it off. But don't lose communication. If you have an issue, go to the source. Get it sorted, get it done, and then you know where you are. And hopefully we're going to get a good result here. Hopefully we'll be able yeah, to bring you good news good. next week. But um, we've got a couple of parcels to get out now. You've got a video to edit and get online. You've got this to launch out. So I think we'd better see if it's time to just wind up. I think we've covered everything for today. Yes, hope, we have. Hope everyone's enjoyed it. If I could just say happy anniversary to Tom. He celebrated his anniversary and uh, this week him and his lovely wife so we wish them all the best uh tom's taken the big step this uh, recently and going into full-time reselling so wish you well with all you're doing tom and the family and uh, to everybody thank you for listening yes and i hope you have loads of sales this week and you find loads of treasure and make an absolute fortune wouldn't that be lovely q4 sure so let's go for it let's all face the future with a positive look on our face and make those sales and make those profits well, I'll see you all next time. Until then, don't forget, have fun. Bye. Bye.